0: What makes a church grow? How do you see if a church is really growing? That's not what the message is on. (laughs) You see if a church is growing. You see a church grow when you see sacrifice amongst its members. When you see Nicole work all, long, all week long to learn a new song. When you see Ronaldo do something he is not comfortable doing and doing it anyway. When you see Laura do the songs that she doesn't even know yet. Ladies and gentlemen, we have something special here. When you see Omar go to a funeral and translate the day before, for a a grandmother of a deaf person, (laughs) this is my dream. This is beautiful. This is a church. I see Christ. I am so thankful to be your pastor. What I've seen in the last week, if I saw nothing else, I will have saw one of the best examples of a church I've ever seen in my life. We have something special here, ladies and gentlemen. Just look at it. It's amazing. It's the grace of God. That's the first part of our name, Grace Bible Church. The grace of God, unmerited favor, working in us. Now we're going to look at the second aspect of our name, Bible. What are we all about here? We're about the Bible. So we're going to take a break from Luke today. And we're going to look at a passage that I want to ingrain deep in your heart. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Just to give you an idea of how unprepared I am, I don't even have my notes in yet. Where are they? Can you switch me over to I've just I was sitting watching everybody and watching everything and just marveling at how it was all unfolding and didn't even get ready. So, forgive me. We are in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's see if we can get this thing to turn over. No signal. Computer 1. Okay, let's see if we can go. That was his. Try again. No, do not save. No, we won't save it. Sorry about this. Computer, this one. Nope, not that one. How about this one? Nope, not that one. I know it's not that one because that's yours, Ronaldo. Can't be because that's Ronaldo's. That's interesting. See, that's his. Pull yours out. Boy, something new. Cancel. Try again. Okay. Boy, thanks for the flexibility. Sorry about this. Ah, lots of stuff. Here it is. What do you crave? Thank you for your patience. Flexibility is key. What is the one thing that you want more than anything else? What is your greatest desire? Family? Good health? Life? Food? Air? Right? We need air to breathe. If air stopped, we'd be in trouble, right? But there's something that we should desire as much or even more than some of these. Jesus said these words in Matthew 4, 4. When he was talking to Satan, he said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Today, we're going to look at a passage that calls all of us to desire God's word more than anything the world offers. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at our passage. Verses 1 to 3. Therefore... Putting aside all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord." Just to give you a little bit of a background on this passage. The letter was written by the Apostle Peter. This is many years after he had denied Christ and God had worked in his heart. He had repented and began to lead the church. He writes this letter under the Holy Spirit's control. The letter is written to Christians who are living under the brutal persecution ...of the emperor, Nero. This is a horrible time to be a part of the church. (laughs) Everybody hates the Christians. They want them dead. Within four years of when this is written... ...most of the people that read it... ...would have died under the hands of persecution. Many, many would have died... ...by either being stoned or used as torches in Nero's parties. They would literally put people on stakes and burn them alive to light up Nero's parties. To be a Christian in this time was a hard thing to endure. So in the midst of facing this kind of persecution, what do you think Peter would say to them? What in the world would he say? Would he say, hang in there, be tough, be strong, find a good hiding place? (laughs) No, one of the main commands he gives is in this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, long or crave the pure milk of the word. Desire greatly God's holy word. What is the pure milk of the word? It is, in this passage, it's the Bible. It's the word of God. It's God's inerrant or error-free perfect word, as we see. This book here explains to us who he is. This book tells us who God is and how we're saved. Our church must be all about this book too. That's why Bible's in the name. We even put Bible above Baptist, though many of us are Baptists. Bible is above Baptist. I want to know the Bible. And that's what this is all about. This book is perfect. This book contains good news. So, how should we respond to this truth about God's Word? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to crave it. We're supposed to hunger for it. We must want it more than anything. I was watching Ronaldo today. He was talking in his first message about how before we become believers, we crave sin. We crave the desire for sin. I wish I could get him to react it. Do it again. I want it, man. It was so good. Same concept now should be in believers for the Bible. We should want it. We should crave it. I want it. More. Give me more. That's why you should be here. The fellowship is great. The friends are good. But the word of God is why we're here. I want to know it. I want to learn it. Right? That's what this this church is, must be all about. We must desire it more than anything else in this world. We must desire it before before everything. It must be our priority. We're going to look briefly, briefly at four aspects of our desire. Right? These, these are in your notes. Four aspects of our desire for God's Word. First, I want you to notice the obstacle to our desire for God's Word. It's found in verse 1. In verse 1. Put simple, the greatest obstacle, it says, Therefore, putting aside all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, long for the pure milk of the Word. Put simple, sin is the greatest obstacle for our desire for God's Word. Sin curbs our appetite for the Word of God. Put simple, sin is a barrier that comes between us and the Word of God. What is it that's going to cause you to not want to go to church and hear the Word? What is it that's going to cause you... Right... What is it? I love it. The the deaf actually say the word to me sometimes. (laughs) It's great. Yes. That's exactly right. What is it that gets in the way? What's going to stop you from coming today? What's going to stop you from coming to the other services? It's sin. It's the obstacle. So notice he says, what are the sins? He gives a couple of them. And he starts with this, putting aside, putting aside all malice. Okay, now, literally in the Greek, the word means to take off. And he's using it as a metaphor. He's explaining the concept with visual pictures so that the people will understand. Put off all of these things. Before you can long, you got to get rid of sin. And he plural, he makes it a plural. All. It's everything, and all of these are in the plural. Hypocrisies, not just one hypocrisy, but all hypocrisies. Not just a little bit of envy, but all envies. And he says a couple of words. Look at the words. Malice. Malice. What is malice? It's an attitude Of ill will towards others. Okay, you say, you look at somebody and you say, I want that guy to mess up. I want that guy to fall down. I wish he'd get caught. You know, you go to work and you have somebody over you a little bit. I wish he'd get caught. I wish he'd get fired. That's malice when you think that. You shouldn't want somebody else to get fired. But that kind of sin can come into your heart, creep into your heart, and cause you not to want to study the Bible. Also, guile. It's an attitude that desires to get the better of another person by, dis- by lying. In other words, okay, how can I get ahead I'm going to cut this corner. I'm going to lie. I'm going to deceive a little bit. We all have a tendency to do this with our old man, our sin nature. How can I get ahead of the next guy? Maybe kick them when they're down. I like that. (laughs) And hypocrisies. This concept of hypocrisy is to be two-faced. It carries with it the idea of being an actor. What does an actor or an actress do? They portray some a character that they really aren't. They put on this face and they say, I'm not really this person. Right? Ladies and gentlemen, that kind of sin will cause you not to go to the Bible. I'll give you an example. How many of you... Have ever thought this when you're talking to your children about the word? You just sinned or you did something, you're struggling with something. And you say, now I've got to correct my child and I've got sin in my own heart. I can't say anything about the word because I'd be a hypocrite. You know what I'm talking about, Right. Hypocrisy keeps you from sharing the word and it keeps you from longing to know it more. If there's sin in your life, it will cause you to run from the word of God. It also envies, is what he says. This is grieving yourself at the thought of another one's success. Oh, how many of you have had this happen? We've had it, right? This is the thing that can keep us... From longing for the word. We look at somebody and we say, oh, he's getting ahead, he's getting ahead. And we worry about that. And we grieve over that. We get angry over that. And then what are we going to do? We're not going to read the Bible. You know, this can even happen at seminary. i tell you, one of the worst things that happens at seminary are grades. Grades. You know, grades. Yeah, when you get grades, you get a test back, you get a grade, and what do you do? I got a 95. (laughs) I got a 92. And that guy that keeps doing better than you. I I wish he'd fail that test. (laughs) I'm ready for that guy to... He's killing the curve. <laughs> He's killing the curve. This concept of the, you know what I'm talking about. We're gonna we're gonna be the only uh, signing uh, team where we actually talk back and forth during the sermon. It'll be great. It'll be great. The whole idea of, look, you have this concept of one person being above, and you look at him and say, I don't like that. I want him to come down to my level. You get these kind of thoughts, and guess what's going to happen? You're not going to want to read the Bible. It'll eat you alive. You don't want this. And then there's slanders. Lastly, it's talking about people behind their back. Oh, I want you to listen to me. If there was one sin that Christians are probably the most prone to it is this one why why are we so prone to this sin even though we've been delivered why is it the answer is is we have knowledge we have understanding of what sin is and so what we think is when I'm over here away from him I can say something about him Because I know what's truth and what is sin and what's not. And it makes me look better if I point out his sin. Do you hear about Ronaldo? Do you hear what he did? We do it as Christians all the time. And it's horrible. And guess what? You ain't going to want to go. You're not going to want to go right to the Bible right after this. You talk bad about somebody, it's not going to be, oh, I want to study the Bible. It's an appetite suppressor. Makes you not want to know it. Sin kills your desire for the word. You know, there's a pill out there that you can take that can make you lose weight. It's a diet pill, right? You take this little pill and it curbs your appetite so you don't eat. And you can get skinny by taking that pill. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. That's a side note. Don't do it. The reality is this sin is like that diet pill, it makes you not want the Bible. And if you've got sin in your life, it's not going to happen. You understand? That's what he's talking about. Put it off. Get rid of it. So, my question is this. What is your greatest desire? You might ask, well, why don't I love the Bible more? The answer would be what? Sin. There's sin in our heart. We got to get rid of that. Second notice, the amount of our desire for God's word. The amount of our desire for God's word. Put simple, the amount of our desire for God's word should be great. We should desire the word of God above all else. Now, this is a this is a command. And it's very simple. Like newborn babies Long for the pure milk of the word. This is just an amazing little command. Just a side note. Commands in the New Testament, commands in the Bible, are what for you? Opportunities to worship God. When you obey them, you worship God, right? Jesus said that if you love me, you will keep my commands. Right? Did he not say that? Here we go. Long for the pure milk of the word. Desire the word. Desire it above all else. And this word long literally has extra emphasis in it. It's like to long for greatly, to crave it. Such a strong craving for the Bible is also a sign or a show of whether you're healthy Are you a believer? Are you a genuine believer? You know how you can know? Whether you have a desire for the word of God. If you want to hear it more, you want to learn from this more, there's assurance of your salvation there. You can be confirmed. It's very important. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to share it? Why should our desire for God be so great? Remember, it's because of the quality of it. The quality of the Word of God is amazing. This is a great book. This isn't just a, uh, another book. This is the God's Word. It's described this way. Pure, spiritual milk. The milk is not literal milk, right? This isn't milk. Everybody understands this isn't milk, right? It's a metaphor. It's a... Similarly, it's showing the comparison. Long for it. It's milk, but it's called pure milk. It's without error. Listen, critics are going to attack this all the time. The world is going to attack it all the time. It's going to say, well, there's contradictions. There's something... No, that can't be true. Six days of creation, impossible. But it says it, and it's pure, and it's perfect. Do you understand? The great quality of this makes it worth longing for. We need to understand better the value of this book. The God, God's word it's given to us from God himself. Did man write this book? Let's see. Did man write, everybody raise your hand if you say men wrote this book. Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. Men wrote this book. Did God write this book? Raise your hand if God wrote this book. Ah. Wait a second. Both? Yes. God worked through men to write a perfect book. It's perfect. We're sinners, right? But God works despite the sin in these men to write perfection. If it's perfect, then we should want it more, right? It's pure, it's profitable too. It helps us. As 2 Timothy 3:15 says. 2 Timothy 3:15. And then the word of God in Psalm 19 It's perfect. It's dependable. It's right. It's without errors. It endures. It's valuable. It's good. You know, you've seen those commercials. It's priceless. (laughs) It's perfect. It's the single greatest gift of God to us, this book. Next to the Lord Jesus himself. This book is amazing. And we should want it. Peter uses the metaphor of the baby. Like a newborn baby. I remember all three of my children. And and probably Daniel and Stephanie can attest to this right now. Right? When they want food, they want food. Give it to me now. (laughs) When I'm hungry, we said it about three, it was about three hours is about what happened. And when that three hours came, if there wasn't milk, it was, Give it to me now. I've got to have it. The whole planet stops to get that baby fed. Now, question. Is that your desire for the Word of God? Do you long for the Bible like that? Do you want it? Oh, i got to have some more of this. Give me some more. Why do you think we're going halfway across the United States, or all the way across the United States, to a conference with seven guys? Why are we doing that this week? To hear the Word of God. We want to know it more. So we can teach you better. What it says. Do you understand? We long for it. I'll never forget the first time I went to the conference. 3,500 men running down the aisles to get a seat just to hear the Word of God. Now, there was a little bit of selfishness in it, (laughs) there was a little bit of selfishness in there, too. But there are some good motives in there mixed in there, too. They wanted to hear the Bible. They wanted to get a good seat so they could hear it better. Is that why you want a good seat? I want a good seat so I can hear it. Or so I can see it preached. Right? Mm -hmm. Or so I can see it preached. See it it preached. Oh, see it (laughs) preached. You're doing great. You're doing great, man. (laughs) Praise the Lord. All right. So... You might say, well, okay, I know this. I've heard this. Let me ask you a question. How is your appetite for the Bible? How much do you want this? Well, I've got a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday morning appetite. I've got a Sunday morning appetite. You don't know how many times I've heard this. How many times I've heard this? Oh, I just love coming to the service on Sunday so I can get filled up and then go about the rest of my week. Right? You've heard that, right? But I've gotten to the place where I need a little bit more filling up at Wednesdays. Oh, can you imagine that baby? That baby that says, okay, I got a little bit this morning on Sunday. I'll see you Wednesday, Mom. Not going to happen. I think his illustration here is to point out that we need it all the time. It sustains us every second, all the time. Are you listening and reading and studying and seeking this more and more every day? I was in the car this week. With Andrew, studying for Luke chapter 3. Obviously, I wanted to do this instead. (laughs) But I was listening to it over and over, and I kept rewinding it. Kept rewinding it. Little did he know I had already listened to it at least 30 times before. Luke chapter 3. I was just listening over and over and over. And Andrew says, okay, let it go on. I want to hear some more. (laughs) Why was I doing that? Because I wanted to understand it. I wanted to know what God was saying in the passage. I wanted to get it. I wanted to meditate on it and think on it. I wanted it to be everything that I was about. I want this word to be what I think all the time. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to crave it. Uh, my, My professor in college used to do this all the time. Right about noontime, which is perfect right now. He would give an illustration just like this. What's your favorite meal? Think about your favorite meal. I love brownies with pecans. They're really good. You say, throw out the nuts, right? I like the pecans. I also love my wife's spaghetti. Ooh, when I I can smell it. I walk in. Whoa, that's some good spaghetti. Can't wait for it. About this time your stomach's getting that little churning, isn't it? You get that little He used the professor used to do this all the time, dude. Drive us crazy, and the class went to one o'clock. And you do it around noon. And we'd all sit there, ah, I'm hungry. But I want you to get this concept. I want you to get this concept. That, I want more, is what you should have for the Bible. You should want this all the time. It must be your priority. Long for the pure milk of the word. Notice it gives the, he gives the reason for desiring God's word. Doing good, buddy. It. It's hot in here. <laughs> the reason for desiring the word. Notice in two two. It says, "Why should we rather desire the word of God greatly? Why?" The answer is the simple answer is because the word of God causes us to grow. It causes us to grow up. As we study this and learn this and meditate on this, we grow. I've been so encouraged to get on Facebook. When I get on and you guys are popping up verses all the time, I'm like, yes, that's what it's about. You're learning the Bible. It's in your soul and you're growing. You're finding the value of God's word and it's creating in you growth. You're growing. That's what that verse says. So that by it, so that by it, you may grow in respect to salvation. Look, this is not just a side issue. This is the most important issue. Have you ever asked this question? Why is it that you can't tell Christians from non-Christians in America? Why is it that 80% of America says they're a Christian? And yet, if we were to look at our society right now, I would say it's a lot more degraded and has more sin problems than it did 40, 50 years ago. Would you agree? Now, granted, there's heart issues. There was always problems, right? And there were other issues. But sexual immorality especially, would you not agree? It's just everywhere. Why is it that 80% or more of America says they're Christians, and yet there's no difference? None. Answer? Answer? It's the preacher's fault. And it's the true Christian's fault. Do you blame it on me? You. <laughs> and the preacher's fault. <laughs> and the and the true Christian's fault. The Bible is not a priority. The Bible is not a priority in the pulpit. And the Bible is not a priority in the home. That's a fact. We don't read the scriptures to our children morning, noon, and night. We don't pray with them the scriptures morning, noon, and night. That's the problem. The Bible is just a side note. And so there's no growth. If there is a Christian, there's no growth. The Bible has to be your priority, ladies and gentlemen, or you won't grow. You'll die. Does everybody understand? Are you growing in your relationship? Would you say that you are walking closer with the Lord today than you were last year? Are you still in the same bondages to sin that you were a year ago now? Are you still fighting with the same things and there's no victory? It could be because your lack of a desire for the word of God. So important, the Bible, so that we can grow. Fourth and finally, the motivation for our great desire for God's word. Is that motivation? motivation. I like it. The motivation for our great desire for God's word. It's found in verse 3. Notice, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord... What is the motivation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord? Now, when you see that word if, you think what? It could be possible that you didn't, right? You might think, well, it might not be that you tasted the kindness. The fact of the matter is, this is a special Greek phrase. It mean, it's a first class, first class conditional. Which means. You could translate it, since you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. It assumes that you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now what does he mean then? The Bible is where we know God's kindness. It's what drives us. Look, let me give it to you simple. Have you ever enjoyed a great sermon? A sermon that wasn't just all about stories. A sermon that explained a passage. And you enjoyed the passage. Hopefully you have. If not, I haven't done my job. Hopefully you've experienced that. A good sermon that talked about the passage. Right? Have you ever sat down with your Bible and enjoyed just reading it and finding out neat, great things about God from it? How about this? Have you come to the place where you understand Jesus Christ came and died for you and rose from the dead? And you know that glorious truth that your sins are all paid for. You know where that came from? The Bible. You wouldn't know that truth if it wasn't recorded here. Because it's been 2,000 years almost since he died. God had it recorded so you could know it. And the gospel is what has lit our hearts on fire for God. We not want to obey him, right? Ladies and gentlemen, you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. You've tasted it. If you know Him, you've tasted it. You've enjoyed it. You've enjoyed Christ. You know Him. And He's revealed more here. So long for it. Desire it more than anything. That's why our church is Grace Bible Church. Because we want to know God more. Does everybody understand? I hope so. Ladies and gentlemen, how do you view the Bible? Is it just another book? Is it a complicated book? Is it a complicated book? Or is it the one thing you desire because you found God there? In the scriptorium, it's a, you know what it is. The scriptorium in Orlando, they have Bible pages from during the Reformation. It's really amazing. The Bible pages have blood on them. People that died holding on to their Bible for Christ. One of the big things in the Reformation was that the language of the Bible was written so that the common man could know what it was. And during that Reformation time, people would go through and kill people that had Bibles. What in the world would drive somebody to die holding on to a book? Why would they die for this? Because they tasted the kindness of the Lord. We have Bibles. I bet you if we did a survey in this room, we probably have what? Three or four per house? But where do they sit? sit on our shelves. You know, one of the things I struggle with is I want you to bring your Bibles to church. I know we put it up on the PowerPoint. I understand that. But I think we need to have these. It's got to be a part of us. It should be the book we carry all the time. Because God tells us to long for it, like newborn babies. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word.